Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. As we continue our study from last week, we're talking about it's time to stand. It's time to take a stand. And we'll just give you a few points that we made last week as a review, just in case some of you weren't able to listen last week um, and get you updated. First of all, we talked about the fact that revival is God's response to God's people standing up for the things he desires to be done on the earth. They don't just happen. They happen because people are looking to God, crying out to him, honoring him, fasting, praying, just waiting upon his presence, letting him know that maybe enough is enough. And we want your presence. We want your power. We want your glory. We want the fire of your spirit to fall here within our midst. Then we talked about, well, how do we stand? And we talked about standing scripturally, prayerfully, courageously, seeing to it that we take the word of God, honor the word of God, stay in prayer. Believing prayer is what changes things and brings God on the scene. And then being courageous because we know that we're going to be challenged along the way. And so courage is important. Then we talked about where do we stand? And we talked about how Moses was told by God, stand by me. Stand right here by my side. That's exactly what Moses did. That's exactly what you and I should do. Stand by God. Then we talked about standing in the gap. He looked for a man to stand in the gap, make up the hedge, put one hand on God and one hand on a situation. Could it be the nation? Could it be your family? Whatever it might be. Uh, someone who's wayward. One hand on God. You're the conduit. One hand on the situation so that God can move in a powerful way. And we talked about the fact that we're to stand publicly. And what that means is we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We're going to be a witness to all those around us everywhere we go in our precept, also in our example by the lifestyle that we live. Then we talked about why do we stand? Well, we stand because of the opposition that's against us. And it's so important to recognize that we're going to have trouble and tribulation in this life because Jesus made that very clear to us. Paul himself said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. He was afflicted many times, but the Lord delivered him out of each and every one of them. And also, we talked about the fact that we stand because not many are standing. And they're not taking their place. They're not doing their part. As we just saw, God looked for a man, but there was no man to be found. Why? They weren't interested in the things that God was interested in. And then also, why, what do we stand for? We stand for righteousness. We stand for truth. We stand for holiness. Without holiness, no man sees the Lord. These are just some of the things we talked about last week. But to continue our study, it's time to stand. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able. The word able means sufficient and resources, strength and ability to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, stand. He goes on to say, stand therefore. We know that we're in a warfare. But it's not a warfare with flesh and blood. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. No, we're not in a warfare with politicians or terrorists or abortion clinics or anyone else on this earth. 
our battle is not with physical things, but spiritual things. In other words, if we were to take back the curtain and peel it back and see beyond this realm to the spiritual realm, then we would really understand what our warfare is all about. It's against these evil forces of darkness that are really aimed at destroying the work of God, destroying the people of God here upon the earth. And the thing is, the only agency on this planet that's capable of destroying the works of the devil and overcoming these things is the church that's been anointed and empowered by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to use his name to do what? Wreak havoc with the kingdom of darkness. Matter of fact, he said the first thing in my name I want you to do, cast out devils. So he's looking for people that will stand for him. For people that will stand against the forces of evil. He's looking for those that will stand before his presence and stand upon his word and be empowered by his spirit to accomplish the purpose of his will here upon this earth. And if we will do that, I believe he'll enable us to transact business for him here upon this earth and carry out our life mission and see to it that we succeed in doing all that he has called us to do. He's looking for those who really have a desire for the fire of God to fall and for the glory to manifest. As a matter of fact, in 2 Chronicles, let's take a look at chapter 7 and verse 1. This is after the dedicatory prayer that was prayed after the uh, temple was built. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, notice, he made an end of praying. The fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering, and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And the priest could not stand to minister uh, to enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord that filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon uh, the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and they worshiped and praised the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Notice the sequence of the pattern there. They prayed. He prayed the dedicatory prayer. The fire fell. So the sacrifice was made. The fire fell. And the glory appeared. You know what? When the glory appears, you don't have to get people to worship God. They bowed down before the presence of God. It was so profoundly manifested among them that you didn't have to prod anybody to minister to the Lord. But notice the pattern. Sacrifice, fire, and glory. Sacrifice first. It's going to take a sacrifice. If we want the glory to fall, if we want the anointing here, if we want the fire of God to fall, we have to sacrifice our time and effort and energy in doing certain things that will do what? Enable our Father to send forth His fire, consume the sacrifices that we make, and allow His glory to appear. Well, what's it going to take for us to do that? Well, number one, it's going to take preparation. Preparation. To prepare means the process or the acts, uh, action by which you get ready for a test, a duty, or an occasion. We are preparing ourselves for something. And if you're preparing yourself for something, it means you expect something to happen. If you prepare for a reception, you expect it to take place. Maybe not today with COVID-19 and all that's going on. You might have to change it, but you get the point. You prepare for something because something else is going to happen. God wants us to prepare how? By being people of the word. We prepare ourselves for what God wants to manifest among us by being people of the word. It is absolutely essential that we know the word of God. Not just the written word of God, 
but also what thus saith the Lord by his spirit. He might have a direct word for us. This is what I want you to do. I want you to fast and pray three o'clock to four o'clock every day for a week, whatever. We want to be people of the word, do what God wants us to do. If we prepare ourselves that way, we can assure ourselves that the fire will fall because when we do our part, God will always do his part. For example, we gave the uh, example of Elijah, the prophet, who when he faced the prophets of Baal, what, what did he do? I'm sure he was inspired to do it. He said, look, if Baal's God, serve him. If Jehovah's God, serve him. But to prove who's God, let's ask him to answer by fire. Baal couldn't answer by fire, but the Lord did. Jehovah did, and the fire fell. So Elijah did exactly what he was instructed to do, and as a result, what happened? The fire fell, and the glory appeared among the people revival took place so being a person of the word being people of the word is absolutely foundational to having a move of god secondly we need to be people uh, that are involved in the ministry of the holy spirit partnershiping with him and allowing him to direct and order the steps that the father would have us to take as a matter of fact jesus said when he comes into the world he's going to do what guide us into all the truth speak to us what he hears of the father and show us things to come and so what are we doing we're partnershiping with him if you recall in the book of acts when paul went to different places sometimes the spirit of god said don't go it's not the right time for you to go there and so he obeyed and he listened other times he told him go but you're going to be in bonds when you do go and so he understood that he was prepared for that so when it comes to what god would have us to do we want to be people of the word we want to be people that are prepared by listening to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then also, what else? Preparation involves being people of prayer. We need to understand our need to join forces together with God, which is basically what prayer is, joining forces together with God to accomplish his purposes here upon this earth. And we saw in the book of Acts how whenever they were challenged, what was the first thing that they did? They prayed and God answered. When Jesus was preparing himself to go out into daily ministry, what did he do? He got alone with the Father, first of all, early in the morning, sometimes even before daybreak. And what did he do? He prayed. He sought the Lord. And as a result, he was prepared for the day. And then also, preparation involves being people that really know their God. Oh, how important is it for us to really know him intimately, personally, and have that kind of a relationship with him. As a matter of fact, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 makes it very clear to us that when people know their God, they can look forward to great things happening. Let's read it. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Notice that. And of course, we're talking about not just a surface knowledge, but truly know and understand the very heart of God. Jesus said it this way. Eternal life is all about knowing God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So we want to know him more and more. We want to know him intimately and know him better. And as we do so, we are better prepared to be in a position to cooperate, cooperate with him. To see to it that his fire falls in our midst as a church body and also in our own homes. Now, what else will it take for us in order uh, to have the fire fall? Determination. Being determined. Remember, he said, having done all 
to stand? Does that remind you of some of these uh, entrepreneurs that were trying to come up with certain ideas for different things, and it took them try after try after try after try after try, and they failed and they failed and they failed and they failed? Well, why did they continue on? They were determined it can work. It will work. I'll never forget the story of Lucille Ball when she was told, in case uh, you don't know who she is, I might be dating myself, you know, the, the funny woman of comedy, the uh, I Love Lucy show. She was told from the very beginning when she set out to become an actress, you can't act. It's in, don't. Go find another profession. But yet, she was an amazing individual that ended up being one of the most really impacting individuals in the in the industry so um you don't give up you're determined that means to see it through to the end we're going to see this thing thing through to the end our minds are made up we're not going to take look back we are not going to fall back we are not going to quit because we believe in going forward and accomplishing the purpose of god's will so it's important that we recognize that this is the same characteristic that Jesus maintained when he was here upon this earth. What did he do? He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. And there wasn't anything that was going to stop him along the way. And that's how we need to be. Determination means I am going to set myself as Jesus did. And I'm going to achieve what he said I can achieve. I'm going to set a goal for myself and I'm not turning back. In the book of Daniel... Uh, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. This is the story of the th three Hebrew children in the burning fire furnace. You talk about preparation and then determination to see to it that they would be determined to do what? Serve God, walk with God no matter what they faced. They were not going to quit. They were going to go to the end. Let's read it. Daniel 3, 17, 18. The king said, if you don't bow, you burn. And everybody else was afraid. And they all bowed so they didn't burn. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we are not bending, we are not bowing, and we're not burning. O king, we'll do whatever you want us to do within reason and within the framework of the word of God and the will of God for our lives. But for us to bow to your image is wrong. We will not worship idols, absolutely not. You can do what you want, but we will not bend we will not bow and we will not burn. So if it be so that you throw us into the furnace, because Nebuchadnezzar, they, he said, look, who's going to be the God that can deliver you out of my hand? And they said, look, our God whom we serve is able, sufficient in resources, strength, and ability to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And notice this, and he will. That is confident faith. It's courage. To stand there before the king with everybody else is bowing and worshiping the image. But they said, oh no. No, 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 not for us. Uh, we're taking a stand. Our God can and our God will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not means if you don't throw us into the furnace, be it known unto thee, O king, we're still not going to bow down. We will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We absolutely will not do it. So, why were they so determined? Because they were prepared. Why were they so headstrong? Because they were prepared. How did they know that God was going to deliver them? They were persuaded. If you recall, the Bible tells us that Abraham was persuaded that what God said, he will also do. And so they knew what God said. They knew God was on their side. They were fully persuaded they refused to fall 
victim to the pressure that they were under in front of all the people and the king as well. And the burning fiery furnace meant nothing to them. It was no match to their God. And what happens? Pressure comes along. The king turns up uh, the flames and it's hotter and hotter as if that's going to matter. What do they do? It doesn't matter how hot you make it. Our God is able. He's sufficient in resources and strength and ability, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Well, what did they know? Could they know something like this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, beginning at verse 1? Is this something that they might have known that we all need to know? Let's read it. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Why? Because I am the Lord thy God. It goes on to say, I am the Lord thy God. What a statement. What do we read here? Flood waters are no match. Fire is no match. So imagine when these three are challenged to bend, to bow, or burn, they say, look, this is not even a matter of us having any anxiety or worry or fear or frustration. The God we serve can, and the God we serve will deliver us out of your hand. We're taking a stand. We will do our part, and he will do his part. You know what? That's not arrogance. That's understanding covenant. That's understanding promises. That's knowing the faithfulness of God, understanding his characteristic. And what happened? God delivered them out of the burning fire furnace. We know that Jesus showed up in the furnace with them. As he said, I'll be with you. You will not be burned and the flame won't kindle upon you. And guess what? Not even the smell of smoke was upon them. They came out unscathed. Why? They were prepared and determined to go all the way with God. Look at another verse in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 30. After this incident, of course, Nebuchadnezzar had somewhat of a heart change. Look what happens. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. In actuality, it was God who promoted them. You see, they went from being persuaded to not caving in under the pressure and then understanding that God will fulfill his promise. And now they are promoted. In the kingdom. Why? Because of their steadfast faith in God. Beloved, when we take a stand, what happens? God stands with us. God stands by our side. So whatever it is that we're going through in our society today, it's important that we as believers, knowing as the church, we have the power and authority over all the powers of darkness, must take a stand. This is a spiritual warfare that we're engaged in, not a natural one. And so it's time to rise up and take our place. And also, when it comes to determination, think about Jesus. Jesus was prepared, and so he went to the rock in the garden. He knew the sacrifice he would have to make. He is there, prepared, and determined to go all the way through. When he's challenged, he says, look, Father, if there's another way, I'd like to know what it is. But obviously, there's not another way. So not my will be done, but your will be done. And there he was determined to go all the way to Calvary and redeem us from our fallen state but there in that garden he's in prayer so what does that tell us if the son of god had to be in prayer himself in order to fulfill the will the father had for his life 
Ought we not to do the same? But there he was at the rock in the garden, sweating as if it were drops of blood. That's how intense it was. But praise God, when he emerged from that rock in the garden, he did so victoriously. He set the tone for what was about to take place. The suffering that he would suffer was already set in his heart and mind to be fulfilled. And he succeeded. Third thing we need to know when it comes to taking a stand for God, there has to be dedication. There has to be dedication. When it comes to prayer, we've got to be dedicated to it and not just a hit and miss basis. Look in Daniel chapter 6. And this is the story of Daniel um, who is being told that he can't pray. He can't pray to God. And if he does, he's going to be thrown into a den of lions. But you know, Daniel was of a good character. Daniel took a stand for God. And this is how he did it. Let's read it. Daniel 6, look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. That was the decree that if any man doesn't bow and worship, then they're going to be thrown into a den of lions. And his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. You got to picture that. The windows are open. He's being heard. He's praying as he did before. He is not daunted by anything that he read or heard. Well, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. I wonder if they videotaped him or took a picture of him on their iPhones or whatever. Whatever it was, they caught him doing it. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any God or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. In other words, you can't change it. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor decree that thou hast signed, but maketh this his petition three times a day. So in other words, he disregarded you, O king. But you know what? He had high esteem and regard for God, didn't he? Well, as a result of what they said, they're telling on him, you can say, he was thrown into a den of lions. The king was upset with himself for even signing the decree, and he realized that he was duped. He recognized what they were trying to do. He knew they wanted to kill him, Daniel, because they were jealous of him. But you know what? Daniel took a stand. He took a stand that says, you know what? Nothing is more important than my relationship with Almighty God. I know the living God. Nothing is more important than me praying to him, joining forces together with him, to accomplish his purpose in and through my life. I depend on him. I need him. And you want me to pray to a statue? You want me to pray to a false god, an image? Absolutely not. It doesn't matter what the decree is. I've got the word of God. And that's the highest decree in my life. Of course, as a result, he was thrown into the den of lions. Why? Well, because it was a law. And the king couldn't change it. And what happened in the morning was this. The king goes right. This king did not sleep all night long, but he goes running to where uh, Daniel was. 
And he hollers out, Daniel, was your God able to save you? And of course, Daniel responded to him and he heard him. Yes, the Lord sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lion and preserve me alive. And of course, the king was very, very happy about that. But once again, we see something happening. Someone takes a stand for God, for what is righteous, for what is truth, and what is holy. And what happens? God shows up. Now, you could say that wasn't fire, or that wasn't glory, but it was an angel to shut the mouth of the lion. Isn't that what we were looking for? Isn't that what he was looking for? Absolutely. Number two, purity. Look at Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. Dedication to prayer. Dedication to purity. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. What a commitment. He was dedicated to living a life of purity before God. He wasn't going to defile himself with anything that God says would defile his very life. So he made that dedication to prayer, a dedication to purity. And of course, uh, we serve a holy God, and he wants us to walk in holiness and purity. But then also, he was dedicated to the word. Look at uh, Daniel chapter 6, and look at verse 23. This is when the king went to where Daniel was, and this is what happens. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him. Why? Because he believed in his God. Well, what did he believe? He believed what God said. He believed what God told him. What did he tell him? I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. You take a stand for me and I will stand by your side. I will intervene on your behalf. And of course, he did. And so praise God. Dedication means we bow to the will of God and not the will of man. It means we make whatever sacrifice we have to make. Why? Because God is first in our lives. It means we resist any power that would impede our progress in any way. We stand against it and refuse to fall victim to it. Why? Because God, our Father, is number one in our lives. So he took a stand, or he took a stand, and as a result, he was delivered. Now, what does our stand really involve? Let's really get down to it. Number one, power. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Power. As I said, we are engaged in a spiritual warfare. All around us, we have enemies targeting our lives for destruction, to bring destruction, to kill, steal, and destroy into every part of our lives, no matter what it is. Individually, health, finances, marriage, family, children, etc. And the list goes on and on. Our church, our nation, whatever. That is what they are bent on doing, period, to bring destruction to humanity. In this verse, we are told something. Finally, my brethren, be strong, not in yourself, not in somebody else, but be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Wow. This is talking about something that goes beyond our ability to achieve on our own. This is because we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. As Jesus said, when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, you'll be baptized in fire 
and power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you know what? What it's going to take in the hour in which we live is spirit-filled people. Filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Praying in the Holy Ghost. I believe there is so much that needs to be done. But the only way it's going to get done is by spirit-filled believers praying consistently in the Holy Ghost. Dispelling the darkness that's around us. Rising up. Being strong in the Lord. And the power of His might. Well, what power are we talking about? He goes on to say in those other verses, we won't take time to read them all, but number one, he says, the power of truth. Have on the girdle of truth. Truth holds everything together, but it's the power of truth. Truth is a powerful force. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will liberate you. Praise God. So we're standing in the power of truth. And then he said, the breastplate of righteousness. We are standing in the power of our righteousness. We are righteous before God. The enemy wouldn't come along and condemn us, tell us we're not worthy, and say all kinds of things to us, pointing out our faults, our failures, our shortcomings, inadequacies, and all that. But you know what? Thank God our righteousness is not of ourselves. It's of Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. So we stand in the power of that right standing with God. And we can boldly stand before the throne of God and just say, I belong here. I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I stand against the enemy in the power of the righteousness that he made me. And then he said, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is a powerful thing. You know, when someone hears the gospel message for the first time, it is so impacting. It can change a human life. It could bring someone up out of the miry clay, put them on feet uh, that stand on solid ground in Christ, in the kingdom of God. One gets filled with the Holy Ghost as they hear the gospel message of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the list goes on and on. But the gospel is the power of God to save the Jew and the Gentile alike. And you know what? We have it, and we're to herald it in our society today. Then he talked about the power of the shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart of the devil. And what does that mean? It means we have faith in the author of the word of God. We have faith in what God said, faith in the promise of God, faith in the covenant of God, the blood that was shed. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We declare what God said to be true no matter what we see, no matter what we face. The power of faith. And then he talked about the helmet of salvation. This is talking about the renewed mind. The renewed mind. The power of a renewed mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Our minds are renewed to think the way God wants us to think. Why? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. The way he thinks and the, his ways are so much higher than ours. As high as the heaven is above the earth. And that's a long ways up. So his thoughts and ways are higher than ours. So we renew our minds. Why? Because we want to live by this higher way. You think about what Jesus knew when he was here upon the earth. He walked on water. He knew how to walk on water. He knew how to disappear in a crowd who tried to throw him off the brow of the hill. He was translocated from where he was to somewhere where they couldn't touch him. He knew how to get on a boat on the sea. And when he got there, 
a calm came, but then also the boat was translocated with all the people to the other side of the sea, to their destination. You think his ways and thoughts are higher than ours? And this list goes on and on, the things that he did here upon this earth. So we walk in the power of a renewed mind. We walk in the power of the word of God, which we know the word of God is quick and powerful, we're told. And then also the power of prayer. There is power in prayer. When we join forces together, together with God, there is power, miracle working power. What did James 5 tell us? The effectual, fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Praise God. And so we stand in the power of God. But then secondly, we stand also with patient, with passion. We are passionate about what we believe. You know, think about that yourself. Do yourself a test. Gauge your passion for the things of God. Think about when you first got saved. Are you as passionate for the things of God as you were then? Or less passionate right now? I know when you first get saved, there's a hunger. There's a thirst for the things of God, for the word of God. And you want to know more and more and more about the things of God. You want to serve him fervently with a heart full of passion. Look in the book of Romans in chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Do you see the passion in that? Abhor it. We should abhor everything that is identified as being evil. We should cleave to what is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. And notice this, not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. What's he talking about? A fervent spirit, hot heated spirit a spirit that's set ablaze when it comes to serving god you depend on him you want him you've got to have him you want his presence you want his power you want his peace his promises fulfilled you want his protection in your life and so do i we're passionate about the lost being saved we're passionate about seeing the glory of god manifest among us look at david you can hear the passion as you read these verses, this verse of scripture, these verses here in Psalm 63, notice how passionate he was. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see your power and your glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I, will, will I bless thee while I live, and I will lift up my hands in thy name. Can you see the passion? Can you feel the passion? Oh, I'm empty without you, Lord. I want to experience your presence, your power, your glory, as I've seen it before. I long for it even now. He was hungry for it. He was thirsty for it. We should be the same way. And then number three, it's also... Uh, it, it also involves persistence in the book of Hebrews chapter six and verse 12. And sometimes I think, you know, this is kind of left out, but let's read the verse Hebrews six and verse 12. Be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience or perseverance inherit the promises. Why did he use the word patience or perseverance as well? Why? Because he knew there would be opposition he knew that things would not be automatic or instant. He knew we would have to persevere to get to the place of victory that we're longing for. Whatever it is that we're looking for. 
We don't give up. We don't faint. We don't lose heart just because it doesn't materialize instantly. Whatever it is we're looking for, the fire of God to fall, the glory of God to manifest, the healing in our bodies, the deliverance for our souls from whatever might come against us in this light. God wants us to be full of power, passion, and persistence. In Luke 18, verse 1, here we get a hint of it. Look at what it says. And yet he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Which means what? There can be a tendency or a temptation to faint. It means don't faint, don't cave in, don't give up, don't lose heart, don't look back, don't go back, but press on all the way to victory. Yes, it's going to take both faith and patience to inherit the promises of God and to have it fulfilled in our lives. So what are we to do? We're to watch and pray. We're to guard our heart, separate from evil in every evil way. And also, never, ever give up, but stand strong under the pressure that will come against us in this life, no matter what it is that we're going through. We understand it's going to be there because he told us it would be there, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world for you. And so therefore, we look at the outcome. We're persuaded of the outcome, knowing we cannot be defeated because we're not going to quit. We're not those that are going to stay at the bottom of the mountain. We're going to climb the mountaintop all the way to victory because why? We're climbers. We're not quitters. We're not campers halfway up. We're climbers. We're doing it. We're going all the way with God. Well, what are we going to stand against? What about the flood of worldliness that's taking place in our society today? And what about also within the church today? I know that people want to invite people to come to be entertained in church, but you know what? I am so much more convicted even at this moment right now. What we need is not entertainment in our churches. We need the power and the glory and the majesty and the presence of the living God to bring conviction upon the souls of people that are out there in the world, letting them know that Jesus is coming soon. It is time to get ready and not delay. Get ready. You've got a life to live. Yes, but you know what? He's coming soon and we should be doing something for him in, in our service to the Lord for all that he did for, all he did for us on Palm Calvary. And then, what else? We stand up for what is right, even when it may seem to be not very popular. You take a stand, praise God. It may not look popular. You may not look popular, but you're taking a stand. Why? Because you serve a holy God. And that holy God did so much for you that you want to stand up for him. You want his fire on you. You want his glory on you. So you take your stand and say, this is God's way and I'll endorse it and enforce it in my life. Also, we stand for the unborn child knowing that this life of this girl or this boy, this infant is precious in the sight of the living God. I'll be honest with you. It's time to really open up our eyes, church, and begin to see this is murder. Saving the whales, but killing the babies is beyond our comprehension. And to think that people could actually think it's okay is beyond my comprehension. You want to know what? There's nothing more valuable than human life. Thank God for the whales, but Jesus didn't die for the whales. Thank God for the polar bears, but Jesus didn't die for the polar bears. Jesus died for human beings like you and me and even those in the womb. It's time that we rise up and recognize our need to stand with God when it comes to this issue. And I mean, do everything we possibly can to eradicate it in our society. We stand up for morality as is defined by God. 
you know what, you can listen to the voices. of so many people that are out there, they have no concern with God's morality is. As a matter of fact, they're writing their own book on morality. And it seems like it's easy to slip right into that if you want to. But beloved, take a stand. Take a stand for God. Stand up for morality. What is right in the sight of God. And finally, stand in the gap for a troubled world that we live in. Our society is experiencing all kinds of trauma right now. Um, we're topsy-turvy. we got all things that are taking place uh, among us like never before. It's unprecedented this time in which we're living in. But you know what? God wants us to look beyond that and recognize he's greater than any of it. And if we'll take a stand with him, like I said, not against people, but against these forces of darkness and evil, he'll stand by our side. He'll bring us through the fire. Notice he brought them. He didn't stop them from going into the fire, but he was in the fire with them and brought them out of the fire without the smell of smoke, unscathed. So no matter what we're going through, the flood of all these things in our society today, you know what? We've got a God who's on our side, that we stand by him and he stands by us. What's the result? Fire and glory. We make the sacrifice. He sends the fire and then the glory manifests. Praise God. I pray you're encouraged by that. And I just believe that each and every one of us will experience fresh fire. Father, may that fire fall even right now. May every heart come under conviction. May there be a new found and new born passion in every heart of every life. Set a blaze for you once again. Mm, rising up from within. Enabling each and every one to have a different perspective on their walk with you. On what they see in this life, in this world. Thank you that each one will take their place and do their part and be committed to you. Not turn back, not walk away, not give up, not be offended easily because of whatever. But I mean coming together in unity, harmony, and love looking for the fire to fall, standing for you. In Jesus' name, amen.